Well, good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA. And it's May. We're uh, getting close towards the uh, the end of May. And uh, we've been talking all month with uh, some of the uh, the younger folks in the industry, the future of the mortgage banking industry. That's uh, our theme for the month. And uh, we've got a great guest today. Excited to get into the conversation with them here in just a minute. But before we do that, let's uh, thank our sponsors at Incelerate. So if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021 and you haven't already, make sure and experience Incelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform it features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing. That includes text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much, much more. As we always say, if you're not following Josh Friend on uh, LinkedIn, on social media, then you're missing out. He's got a lot of great content he pushes out there, it seems like almost on a daily basis. So. Make sure and uh, check him out there. Follow him on uh, on LinkedIn. And if you want to schedule a personal demo, go to Incelerate.com and you can do that there. So before we uh, before we go any further, I do want to uh, remind everyone that's uh, watching and listening to this, if you haven't already checked out the uh, new MortgageInnovators.com, uh, I strongly encourage you, pause the video right now or the, uh, the stream right now, Go over and check out MortgageInnovators.com. It's a new site that the California MBA uh, just launched here a few weeks ago at our Mortgage Innovators Conference, and it's chock full of resources for today's uh, 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 professional that's interested in all things um, mortgage innovation. We got everything from acquisition, top of the funnel uh, efforts to closing and post-closing efforts and even capital markets, and uh, we'll be constantly updating that with new resources. And if you're a, uh, a player in the industry and you've got a great uh, piece of content that you want us to consider for uh, placement on the site, there's a way for you to do that as well as some great sponsorship opportunities. So make sure to go right now and check it out, mortgageinnovators.com, and subscribe to us there, and you'll be up to date on all things innovation going forward. So before we get into the conversation, let's toss it over to Susan Malazzo, our CEO, for this week's uh, weekly update. Susan. Thanks, Dustin. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA. And this week, I'd like to remind those of you who aren't yet a member of the California Mortgage Bankers Association that this is the last week for our membership month promotion. That's right. If you are a company that joins before May 31st uh, this year, you will receive two complimentary conference registrations for either of our in-person events that are going to be happening later this summer. We've got uh, our Western Secondary Market Conference happening at the end of August and our Western States CREF conference happening in uh, the beginning of September in Las Vegas. Uh, Both of these will be in-person events. They will not be virtual, and uh, they are highly anticipated to return to uh, these in-person events this year. So I hope that uh, we can see you at our events this year and also invite you to become a member of uh, of the California Mortgage Bankers Association and become an active member with us. It's a great time to do it. Thanks, Dustin. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Susan. Now, let's jump into the conversation. I'm excited to welcome in our guest this week, uh, Ty Siloa, uh, Account Director over at Qualia. Ty, how's it going? Great, Dustin. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Doing great. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. So before we jump in, maybe for those that uh, aren't familiar with uh, what what goes on at Qualia, I know you guys are somewhat new in the industry or in the last uh, few years. Why don't you uh, tell us, uh, give us maybe the elevator pitch on uh, what Qualia is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been in the space uh, about five years now, um, and we started out as a system of record for title companies. And so 
Um, title companies and escrow companies use Qualia just like a lender would use their LOS. Um, and in the past several years, we have expanded our reach um, specifically into the mortgage lender space. And we're really trying to solve problems in how uh, mortgage lenders are interacting with title companies. And then, and uh, there's still a lot of really manual processes right there. So we're trying to tighten those up with technology and, and really make the, the streamline the entire process right there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I love the love the notion of just solving problems. I think that's uh, one of the things that uh, it's been sort of a, a sub theme of the podcast this month when we're talking to sort of the, the uh, future leaders in the industry, and we're all about just solving problems. I mean, notice there's you know something in the industry that doesn't quite work well or, or needs some refinement. Uh, you know, as you, as you put it, there's a lot of manual processes still in the mortgage transaction that can be. Uh, improved upon. So let's uh, let's uh, jump in the conversation here. Tell us about uh, your background and uh, how you got involved in the industry. What kind of led you to uh, where you're at uh, there at Qualia? Yeah, so uh, my story is a little bit interesting. I, I graduated college in 2007. So right after I graduated, the OA recession happened. Um, and I ended up getting into the into this space in about 2013. And so I honestly had a pretty sour taste of, of the mortgage industry, just again, um, coming out of college. And, you know, you the the mindset and the news all of a sudden said that this is the industry that caused a recession and so i didn't really know what i was getting myself into um, i'd been working for a startup that we literally started out of a out of a garage and uh could barely afford to live after a couple of years so i said hey i need to get a a corporate job uh, fell into this space and uh it was really interesting because after i started going on site with uh, specifically lenders and a lot of loan officers especially in these rural towns i realized how great of people they are. I mean, we, we all know this stuff, but again, coming from somebody that was outside the industry and uh, people that are really trying to change people's lives and help them purchase a home. And and uh, so it had a, a 180 shift, I just on my perspective of, of what the industry was. Um, you know, after uh, several years, I was managing, you know, partner, uh, partner programs on the technology side. Um, I had been working in point of sale that started to get a little bit commoditized. And a, a previous mentor of mine had said, Keep an eye on the title space. That's going to be the next big thing about four or five years ago. And um, Qualia being, again, the system of record and the, the innovator and the disruptor in the title space, that really stood out to me. Um, and the timing worked out really well as I came on board to Qualia. We were launching some new products into the mortgage lender space, which is my background. And uh, we just hit the ground running, and it's been absolutely wonderful since. Wow. You talk about uh, some Nostradamus there. I mean... <laughs> Knowing five years ago that this is where you know all the heat was going to be in the industry right now in the uh, closing space, I mean it's amazing. This is where the next big breakthrough it seems like in uh, mm -hmm. lending is happening right now in the in the closing space. Um, so I mean you kind of uh, you know hinted at this a little bit, uh, but I'm just curious. Uh, what was your biggest maybe your biggest challenge in breaking through in the industry, in, especially as someone as you put it there that uh, didn't exactly have the uh, um, the most positive uh, uh, impression of the mortgage lending industry before you got into it. Yeah, and I, I think we know that um, obviously things have changed a lot in the past three or four years, just with the uh, you know influx of millennials and Gen Z folks get into this space. But you know, early on in my career in this space, it was tough. You know, being a twenty-something-year-old kid trying to—I mean, I'm sure you heard this a lot from the folks you speak with—trying to have a conversation and um, prove yourself to somebody that maybe you know double your age right there. And it's been this industry forever. And he always, always got looked down on as a kid. And, and it was very hard, I think, to break through. Um, something else that was really tough for me, I think, as well as is, uh, you know, I look at things in terms of like, how do we innovate? How do we get better? And how do we change things up? And 
there was very much a sense of this is how things have always been done. This is how you're going to do it. And so it caused a lot of friction internally with company, companies that I work with just um, trying to say, hey, let's push the let's push the bar a little bit and see if we can change things. And it was very much like, no, this is how we're doing it. Um, I think that was really tough for me mentally earlier on in my career. And I think as I moved into uh, more of the fintech space, um, they have a little bit of a different mentality where it's like, let's let's innovate, let's push the bar. Um, and I think the company cultures have, have changed a lot too. And so that has really um, opened up a lot of opportunity, I think for me, you know, personally in my career and been able to push through some of those earlier barriers that I had. Yeah, no, and I can imagine it's it's interesting. I've been here, been at the California MBA for 17 years. And I mean, you definitely get that sense with a lot of lenders who have been, you know, in the business for decades. And, uh, you know, at times they, and it, in some ways it's tough to blame them. I mean, when it's been a successful model for them for decades and, you know, help them build their companies, you know, build their, their own personal um, financial uh, uh, lives and, and uh, you know, build their retirements on this and their, you know, raise their families and kids to college on it. And then you have someone come in and say, well, we can do this better. I mean, it is, it's in some ways understandable. You'd say, well, this has been working good for me so far. Why would you change it? But I think that, uh, make a great point there that the industry is now absolutely embracing innovation and seeing that okay well things may have worked well before but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to work well in the future and even if they do there's ways that we can improve it and make it work even better not necessarily just for the company but for the customer which is our you know in this case our end user that uh, you know we should be designing a better mortgage experience for in the first place 100 percent yeah. So, okay. So maybe, you know, flipping this on, uh, on its head here, how is your, your relative youth, you know, beard notwithstanding, which uh, I'm sure has been a little helpful in, uh, in you know, breaking through the, uh, the youth barrier there. How has your relative youth uh, been a benefit to you in your career so far? Yeah. No, the beard's always a great talking point wherever I go. So it's, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's, you are going to get through this without talking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of my, uh, one of my favorite things to talk about at conferences or, or anywhere right there. Um, in terms of relative youth, I think now, just given where I am, you know, age-wise and in my career, I'm able to connect with people that are much more senior to me, but also on the flip side, people that are just getting in, into the industry, right? So, um, you know, younger millennials or Gen Z, um, it's, there's obviously a little bit of, of differences in how we communicate and how, um, like cultural differences as well. And so I think I'm in a really good position where I can now, interact with both sides of the gamut right there really easy. And I think that's a huge strength for, you know, folks that are um, midway throughout their careers and are able to interact with folks on both ends of the, of the age spectrum. Yeah, no, I think that even the, the, the C-level folks that are, you know, maybe in their, their fifties or sixties or, you know, even, even older, I mean, whether or not they know it or not, they need the, uh, the folks in their, you know, late thirties, early forties, who can still, who can connect, you know, in a, in a significant way with their younger workforce that's in their twenties. So you, I think you've got a good point there. Um, so let's just take a look at, uh, you know, what, uh, what's going on at Qualia right now. I mean, obviously we talked a couple of minutes ago about uh, how hot the closing space is right now in terms of innovation. What, uh, what projects are keeping you busy at uh, Qualia right now? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy the last year. It's been fun. I mean, obviously, we've seen e-closing been, has been the, the focal point of the industry the last year. Um, we're doing a lot of great things on the title sides. Um, you know, again, our customers, our title customers, they're the ones actually doing the closing. So there's been a lot of great innovation um, just in terms of getting ready for RON and, and you know, hybrid and, and e-closings. I think what we're really working on um, on our team right now is is 
you know, back in 2015, 2016, Trid didn't, Trid was supposed to fix a lot of things and it didn't. Um, and it's gone back to a lot of just really manual work. It's again, the way things have always been done. So the way that we are looking at the interaction between the mortgage lenders and the title companies is how do we solve a lot of these problems that Trid may have not fixed? Um, because it's still, there's still a lot of opportunities for error. There's still a lot of really manual communication and processes going back and forth. And, and that, that leaves opportunities for, again, major errors, which could cause the lender to have to buy back the loan or the investor not to accept the loan. And so, you know, what are those things that we can shore up so we can ensure um, those back-end operations really tighten up? And then ultimately that's gonna have a much better impact on the overall borrower experience because things are a little more streamlined on, on the back-end that puts, puts less stress on the settlement agent, the real estate agent, the borrower and the mortgage lender right there and just creates an overall better borrower experience ensuring that they are gonna be able to continue to hit those those um, close dates. So do you see um, the uh, the sort of the revolution in, in Ron specifically, what impact is that having on the ground? I mean, I say this almost in, in a sense selfishly, you know, coming from uh, California where we don't have a, uh, you know, remote online notarization authority from the state yet. Um, but I know it's, it's you know, a lot of land in, you know, most of the other states in the country. So from your perspective, what's the, you know, if you're speaking to maybe a, a legislator in California, what's the, you know, the, uh, the benefit of using Ron and, uh, you know, what's the experience so far from your perspective in the other states where it is in place? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think we're experienced, and I'm, I'm up in Oregon, so we're experiencing some of the same um, hesitancies, I think, in Oregon as, as California. Um, but if you look at what Ron has done, especially, you know, with COVID over the last year, it's taken everybody remote, right? All of a sudden lenders, title companies, counties, everybody had to go remote. So the ability to still close on a loan remotely um, and securely has been a, a huge benefit right there. Um, and you're, you're seeing like, you know, Ron is, is taken off in Florida and a lot of these other states where you're able to um, still remotely execute, um, you know, in a Ron closing right there. Um, and often, again, if people aren't, um, feeling safe about going out of their house. Um, obviously things are changing with, you know, the vaccinations and the country opening up right there. But I think technology has forced us to be more innovative um, and sped things up. I think it's been a great benefit for this industry, especially with things like Ron and e-closing. Um, and hopefully that starts to continue to move west and, and be able to um, execute. Because at the end of the day, you know, folks are working remotely, folks are on vacation. And so the ability to go ahead and close on their loan if somebody's sitting on, you know, vacation in Hawaii with their family, without having to be present to what sign a document. Um, Cause e-sign technology has been around forever, right? It's the legislation that is, right. is trying to catch up right there. Um, and it's, it's, you know, state by state and it's county by county too, I think, which is a really difficult thing, um, getting every single county within a state on board in addition to the state legislation um, and how things are electronically recorded, um, e-vaulting. And then I think investor delivery and the, the acceptance of, of e-mortgages as well by investors is something that also needs to to start to, to change and continue to change in order for us to um, get to a full e-close. I think there's so many complexities in e-close and Ron is just a, a piece of that um, that we're going to have to tackle over the next uh, several years as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, I think you can make a good point too about uh, with the uh, the pandemic, hopefully, you know, coming to a, uh, a close here, the vaccination rates going up and, and people started starting to uh, get back to something approaching normal. I, I think we're right that uh, you know this whole issue of remote online notarization and uh, uh, e-closing is not going away. I mean, people are not instantly going to snap back to you know 2019 or earlier. Um, I mean, even just you know, it's funny. I just did a, a transaction uh, this last year, 
and uh, I was kind of joking with my uh, uh, my uh, notary about it. And I said, so is it more, we were talking about remote online notarization and uh, I was saying, you know, so is it more secure if we go and meet in a Starbucks and, you know, we have all of the information out on the table and, you know, anybody with a cell phone walking by, I mean, just security wise, it's not secure at all, you know, compared to, you know, something like this where we're talking just one-on-one -on -one over a, uh, you know, if we were doing this over a secure network through Ron. So I think that, uh, you know, whether it's hesitancy about uh, security or, meeting in public places, I think that is certainly going to keep Ron at the forefront or should keep it at the forefront going forward, at least for the you know, next several years. Yeah, and I think you you brought up a, a great point too that popped in my head. If you look at like data consistency and the quality of the, the mortgage or the quality of the loan, that's going to get better as we move to an e-close because instead of uh, doing a stare compare um, of physical documents or scanning a document into your system and then having to OCR or ADR that, that document, there's a lot of opportunities for error right there. Um, but when you're looking at an e-closed mortgage, everything has signature tags and signature coordinates. All the data can be uh, analyzed in real time right there. So the, the quality of the mortgages is going to go up significantly and there's going to be a lot less errors down the road for the investor or post-closing. Yeah. Well, in, in my mind, that I mean, that gives the opportunity to close loans faster too. So I think that, that benefits everyone. So uh, if uh, you're speaking to a uh, if you're speaking to a lender, CEO, or uh, um, uh, someone that's looking to start a mortgage company or a company in the mortgage industry, what uh, what would you tell them as far as what do they need to keep in mind when looking to attract that uh, younger workforce and you know keeping a uh, building that sort of a, that uh, younger and uh, more hungry, more uh, energetic workforce? What do they need to keep in mind? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um... You know, I think it comes down to a lot of it is culture and fit. At the end of the day, if you look at millennials and you look at um, Gen Z and these younger folks, the quality of life, their quality of life matters a lot. I don't want to say it matters a lot more, but it's a lot more forefront in their mind. And so, um, yes, you know, comp is important and title is important, but also being able to uh, work remotely, being able to go out and do the activities that they love and have that really good work-life balance, I think is, is really, really important. And so having um, a company culture that accepts that, and then also a company culture that's very inclusive, right? Obviously, like DEI is a huge thing too, and, and making sure that um, you know you do have great diversity, uh, or attempting to have great diversity within the within the company. So you've got folks from different backgrounds uh, that are also creating different ideas, and and that creates more innovation at the end of the day. Um, and so I think you know again, company culture. Um, companies that really, that's that's why I've gravitated to the fintech space on the technology side too, it's just because the company cultures are so great there. It's almost like being in a giant family. Um, at the end of the day, you're still required to, to perform and do your job, but your coworkers or my coworkers are people that I would hang out with, they're friends of mine outside of work and they're not just coworkers that I spend uh, you know eight hours a day with and, and that's that. I'm constantly texting them outside of work and uh, sharing personal stories and, and being able to build those relationships. So that stuff is really important to me. Um, I would also, I'll give a little pitch too, I'm um, on the advisory committee for the uh, MBA Impact um, Committee, or MBA Impact, which is the under 40 um, group for the Mortgage Makers Associated right there. Right, right there. So uh, we had a really good session at the Mortgage Technology Conference where we, we uh, it was a huge panel, um, but there were, and there were about 40 different participants there too asking questions and it was all professionals under, under 40. Um, so I would also advise, you know, mortgage lenders uh, or on the people on the tech side too to get engaged with impact as well, because these are the rising stars um, that are, you know, under 40, under 30. Um, and 
getting feedback from them on what's really important because that may be significantly different than what they anticipate in their minds as well in terms of building that culture, that community, um, and, and what that younger younger group of, of rising stars really wants. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, great pitch and impact is, is fantastic group. So yeah, I'll, I'll certainly echo that. Um, so maybe a follow-up on that. I mean, this you know, just sort of occurred to me as we were talking about it. Um, do you think that there's been a shift in, in, or do you think it's more of a company by company thing when it comes to, I mean, maybe 10 years ago when you talked about uh, what happens at uh, some of these FinTech companies and uh, Silicon Valley companies, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, building the company culture, it was a lot of, well, we've got these great amenities at the office. Everything is built around making that office environment just the most fantastic. It's almost like, you know, Disneyland at the office, right? You know, whether or not it's, you know, all the, the food options or you've got these excellent, uh, you know, uh, workout options or any other, just your way the office itself is structured. So do you think now that we've sort of gone through this revolution in, uh, you know, a lot of employers accepting and, and sort of embracing the work from home atmosphere, do you think that is sort of uh, changing now or is it just going to be a, maybe a company by company thing? That's really interesting. I, I think it's going to be a company by company thing. Obviously, you're seeing a lot of the, the Silicon Valley tech companies moving remote, and it probably makes sense because they're probably paying really high over. They probably have really high overhead costs in terms of real estate and all the food and commodities they're providing for all their, their teams. You know, that being said, um, a lot of these companies, too, want their folks um, in the office and working and, and contributing right there. Um, so I, I personally think it's going to be a company by company thing, or we're going to see a lot of these hybrids where folks have the ability to go in the office maybe three days a week and then work remotely potentially for a few days a week. Uh, and I know like within our company, just talking to a lot of coworkers, um, you know, we've got uh, a targeted date in the fall where folks are going to be able to go back in the office and people are excited to do that because some folks are, they're just not wired to to work from home. Um, and they want that social interaction. They want to be back in the office, hanging out with their coworkers and and innovating and um, so I think it's going to be really interesting on a, on a company by company basis. Um, I also think the institution type obviously depends too, right? If you're a banker or credit union, you're more likely going to have to be in branch versus if you're an independent mortgage bank, then there may be some flexibility in terms of, uh, operating out of home because you're typically out of the community. Uh, if you're in more of a retail environment or in a direct consumer environment, if you're in a, um, that may be something too, where you could, you could do from home rather than being in a call center in a, in a office with everybody else right there. No, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense for sure. So uh, let's, uh, we've got just another uh, minute or two here. Let's uh, uh, close out here with a, sort of a fun question here. Maybe tell us one thing about, about you that uh, most of your colleagues, I won't say every one of your colleagues, you don't have to tell us something that's, you know, completely a secret, but something that most of your colleagues wouldn't know about you. Yeah, um, I'm uh, like oddly amb ambidextrous, I guess. So I write, I eat, I do all my fine motor skills with my left hand, and then I do all my sports uh, with my right hand. So I throw and, um, but then I'm also weirdly ambidextrous. Like I can, when I fly fish, I can, I fish with either hand, or if I have a, a tennis racket or a racquetball racket, it's easier for me to switch hands instead of hit, hit backhand um, or ride a snowboard, you know, both ways. And I can't explain it, it's really weird. Uh, so like on a snowboard, I can carve much better one way and then I can shoot down the mountain much better in another way. And I, I can't explain it. It's just just how my body, how my, how my brain's wired, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's some crazy wiring there. I, I have to say that's, uh, you know, whenever I've met uh, ambidextrous people, as someone who's very much not ambidextrous. I mean, I have, that more or less ended my uh, my soccer career. Not really. My left foot may as well just it's there for balance. Uh, the way I look at it, I have really good uh, right foot. But my left foot may as well just not even be there. And then having people who are ambidextrous, it's like a magic trick. I don't know really how you guys do it. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for uh, 
Thanks for sharing that. And thanks again, uh, Ty, for uh, joining the podcast today. It's been uh, great catching up and uh, best of luck to you guys at Qualia and, and uh, keep us up to date on what's uh, going on in the, the uh, closing space as you guys innovate. Yeah, Dustin, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time and also looking forward to hopefully catching up in person this fall once we get back to, to conferences. I'm excited Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to us. Uh, you can subscribe right here on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on uh, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back again next week for our final episode of the month uh, dealing with, uh, we're going to have a, uh, a, a little mini panel talking with uh, three of uh, three great leaders in uh, mortgage industry now and three great leaders who are going to be uh, leaders in the future. So make sure and tune in, in make sure to tune in for that uh, next week and we'll see you then. Here we go.